0: Back to From the Panther Pit Box.
1: Yes, from the Panther Pit Box. I'm taking credit for that idea. That was my idea. It
0: was 100% Riley's idea. <laughs> so we are sitting here once again in the Media Center at Atlanta Motor Speedway to recap yesterday's Xfinity and Trucks Race and set up for the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500.
1: Yeah, and I just want to say a quick shout if you haven't been following our stories from Jen and I and even Katie's and Shelby's photo galleries, go look at those because that's some of the best headline writing I've seen in a long time. From, <laughs> Tired from of everyone being worn out. No, don't spoil spoil them. don't spoil them. they gotta go read the stories. But um
0: Well you gotta you gotta know you gotta go to the special projects <coughs> tab on the prowler and go to NASCAR. To find the Atlanta Motor Speedway. If you just click on NASCAR it should take you to the most recent ones and but, yeah. there are about what, sixteen uh-huh. things posted from this <laughs> weekend. But we've been
1: having fun here, so we wanna make sure that you guys are, are keeping up with us again to see what's been going on up here. But um as far as what we're um, talking about today, recapping some of the things went off went on yesterday. We're gonna start off with um, the Xfinity series, and yesterday we talked about how Chevy was kind of dominating, looking really good there. But um, it ended up being a Toyota dominating pretty much the entire race. so at 142 of 163 laps, and that was Christopher Bell in the Ream Toyota. And um, it, he, it was just if he ever wasn't in first, it wasn't long until he took it back. I mean, it was. Crazy, but um.
0: Well, and usually when he wasn't in first, it was because of a pit problem. It wasn't yeah. because his car was struggling.
1: If he had to take a pit stop. I mean, even there's a couple times where he drops down to fifth, sixth, mm-hmm. um, just from anything holding him back. And in one lap, he's already regained his lead and passed <laughs> everyone. He had a great day yesterday. Um, behind him was Cole Custer in the Double Zero. Justin Allgaier at a JR Motorsports was in third. Atlanta native Brandon Jones um, was in fourth, and then last year's series champion Tyler Reddick in fifth. And um, Reddick made things interesting as, um, well, first off, Bell's first struggle came, um, one of his later pit stops, his right back tire got you know, caught or hung up or something, and he kind of slowed down a little bit, And he, but of course, in you know five or so laps, he caught back up and he was in first again, And um, but um, Reddick started giving him a run for his money, and they were going around, and it seemed like every time Reddick was getting a little closer and a little closer, and then just a few laps to go, there was um, a caution and um uh they all kind of you know had to come back together and it made it a little interesting but it actually ended up hurting reddick uh, and he dropped back into fifth and um bell ended up taking it home and um but yeah so he wasn't the ending didn't show all of his complete domination but uh pretty good race for him
0: well and this is actually bell's first Atlanta motor <clears throat> speedway win mm-hmm. last night
1: and, it didn't look like it. it looked like he knew yeah, what he was doing.
0: <laughs> he would take off way in front of everyone else yeah. for quite a long time. And mm-hmm. then someone would be able to get right behind him and just pass him as soon as he went on the pit road. And mm-hmm. they were like, maybe he win. <laughs> and then...
1: No, it was, was looking like it was going to be, be a photo finish between those two before a um, little motion at the end. Um, but we have a Peachtree City native, Garrett Smithley. He Finished 17th. He was in the number zero for Team JD Motorsports.com. Um and we uh, we got to catch up and talk to him, and so uh, we'll let you listen to that audio right now. First thing I kind of have to ask is, do um, you kind of have a, a pre-race routine or something you to kind of get in, you know, race mode?
2: Um, not necessarily. It, it, it all depends on the weekend, depends on the track, depends on what sponsors we have and what commitments I have. Um, really, the, the biggest thing is to make sure that I'm hydrated, uh, I'm hydrating throughout the week beforehand, and then race day is the most important day to make sure that you know you kind of keep, keep that up and then eat the right things. I'm, uh, personally, I find it really difficult to eat on race day because you've know, <laughs> got the butterflies going and you're just ready to go, um, but I kind of force myself to, to get something in my stomach so I can be ready for the race.
0: So last year we talked to you and you mentioned drama class at Macintosh. Any skills you learned from that that you now use to race?
2: Yeah, uh, not necessarily race, but everything around racing, everything around what I have to do as far as the media stuff, as far as public speaking and being on camera and and being in front of crowds. You really, really have to be comfortable in doing that, um, especially to to represent your sponsor as well. So really everything that I've learned in drama, I, I use, pretty much every day whether it's you know sponsor sponsorship meetings whether it's um you know
1: public speaking whether it's interviews i pretty much use it every day yeah and so kind of building on some of that how do you think you're handling kind of the celebrity pressure not being a racer, especially when you're back in georgia where you're from
2: it's uh i I don't it doesn't really bother me much um i still i still feel the same that i did you know when i was in high school the same same kid that was out here driving on uh, you know Thursday Thunder in the Van and Legend car. I'm just I just happen to be driving some bigger cars. So it's it's definitely different, especially when people kinda recognize me out of my suit, especially and, and tweet me and and you know, show up to the racetrack with my gear. It's still really weird. Um, but you know, it, it has I don't think it's affected me all, all that much.
0: Do you have any go to places in Peachtree City anymore? Oh, man, not
2: uh, not really, because I my parents moved away about three years ago, so honestly, I haven't been back. I think I stopped back last year to see what Macintosh looked like because I know it's changed a little bit. Um, I mean, really just driving the golf cart around, is that's, <laughs> that's what I, I love to do. Um, we spent a lot of time in the avenue and uh, we spent a lot of time, uh, went to the skate park just to hang out a little bit over at the amphitheater and, uh, and then the lake. Um, I don't whatever that lake in, in the middle of the city is, I, I I don't remember what what it's called, but we spent a lot of time over there. So really just just you know, driving around on the golf cart is what I miss
1: the most about picture City. Yeah. And you say you went back to Mackinac to see how things were? Do you have a favorite class or favorite teacher as you remember? Um Favorite teacher
2: was Sherelle Lockett. She was my junior year drama teacher and she really changed my passion for for drama. I, I kinda kind of used it as kind of like a like a mess around class to be honest to, to, to start out with and then once she got there she really got a serious as serious as a whole as a class and um, we put on some really really great performances and Frank was still the best performance that I've ever been a part of uh, it was for one act competition I, we had made it all the way to state and I think finished fourth um, really really put, put the passion on me and then chorus, uh, Hannah, Beth Potter, who's, Hannah Beth Potter who is still there she is um she was really, really great to, to us, and, and especially, I was in, in men's chorus, and I think she had a soft spot for, for what we were able to do together. So um, definitely the the fine arts uh, teachers that I had really, really put a, uh, a big passion into, into you know, my soul as far as all that stuff goes.
0: So this weekend you're running in both the Xfinity and the Cup Series race. How are you keeping up with everything you have to do for both of
2: those? And the Legend Car race. There's a Legend Car race on Saturday that I'm running after the truck race. So. Uh, yeah it's um double duty is always crazy the, the first time I ever did double duty was uh, my very first Xfinity race at Homestead and I did the truck in the Xfinity race and that was just a whole different ball game in and of itself and then adding the cup level um, I wouldn't say pressures of cup but I would say that it's 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 a lot different it's, it's elevated um, you're racing with cup champions you're racing with you know Jimmy Johnson and Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, some of the greats of our sport that are inevitably going to be in the Hall of Fame, and uh, to to be on the same track as those guys at you know the biggest you know the biggest stock car series in the world, it's uh, it's pretty crazy to be one of one of 40 guys that gets to do that. So um, it's uh, it's definitely a balance, and especially with it being the home track and, and doing the extra things that come along with that, but um,
1: but it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and I know with that, um, you kind of had a, an incident, an incident in Michigan, lap one or two a race there, you know, going down. So, what are your expectations for Sunday following that?
2: Yeah, that's uh, we can kind of look back at that and laugh <laughs> about it. Uh, we got less than less than half a lap in my <laughs> Cup debut until something broke. Um, luckily, it wasn't my fault. So, um, but no, I I think honestly, it still hasn't hit me that you know after those i had three starts last year in the cup series did that two michigan races in kentucky and still even after that last race watching the cup series and even going to the stands and watching and listening it's still like i don't think it's hit me yet that i like i've i've been there and i've driven with those guys and i've driven in that series so i think the more and more i do it the more normal it's going to be um but you know honestly it's um it's just, it's it's incredible uh, to, to be able to do it, and just, just to start the race is cool. Um, a top 30 for us would be would be a really good day. I think uh, there's a new package in uh, in the NASCAR Cup Series that uh, I, I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen, so honestly, I don't have any expectations, but really if we come home uh, with a clean car with no damage, it's going to be a successful weekend.
1: In Smithley, um, which 17th isn't going to jump out of you in the Xfinity Series, but He's just warming up because he'll be in the number 77 Chevy for Spyder Motorsports in his fourth career Cup Series start today. Um, but before we get into all that mess of um, the, you know, Cup Series, whatever, uh, we got to talk about some trucks.
0: Oh, boy, what another leader.
1: <laughs> this one wasn't very close either.
0: 52nd career win. Mm-hmm. He has raced less than 200. Total truck mm-hmm. races and has won 52.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's kind of good at it.
0: A little bit. He broke the record believe, for
1: most career wins. Believe to quote one of the people we interviewed yesterday said he was decent at it.
0: So. Decent at what he's doing? Yeah. I think he knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then right behind him was another veteran, Johnny Sauter, in the 10 to heel Ford. And behind them was Grant Impinger in the 98. And last year's winner series and champion, Brett Moffat, came home fourth with Ben Rhodes rounding out the top five.
1: Yeah, and um, the end of this race got a little interesting. Um, We had like a caution, and then um,
0: it was a five car pileup in the first turn.
1: Yeah. Well, we had like a caution, and then we started going again, and then like three cars wrecking. (laughs) So we stopped again, and we were gonna go, but then the weather made it like they got a red flag for the weather, and so it just stopped. Um, But uh, they got going with nine left, and uh, it was just. Well, that, first, was just that first
0: caution was Decker spending on yes. turn four, and then once they finally started going again, it was the first, the first turn after the caution ended, there yeah. was a five car pileup. Yeah, it was... and then they couldn't get all the debris off the track, so they had to go to a red flag. Yeah, and they then they got back into caution, got back on a red flag <laughs>
1: <laughs> for the weather, dried it off, finished the last nine laps, but uh, Bush, he just had the fastest truck out there.
0: There was no competition at the very end. No. Those last nine laps were um, Busch.
1: Sauter was keeping it as best as he could but uh Busch just had a real fast truck. But um as we mentioned Decker was uh the caution there closer to the end of turn four wasn't her only one she had another caution earlier in the race and um it's only her second career truck race though and it was her first one here and um so I mean she came back every time so you know yeah. give her the, the props for um,
0: she didn't give up.
1: Yeah, she had a lot of perseverance. But um, we sat down with her and talked to her too, and let you listen to that now.
0: How do you balance racing, a racing career, and just being yourself and being able to grow up? Well, that is—I
3: actually really like that question. Um, it was really hard when I was your age because I had school, um, but I learned so much growing up and racing and balancing it between school and hockey and my friends. To where now that I'm older, and I can really focus on racing and just balance it with my normal life. I learned so much when I was younger that it's a lot easier.
1: Do you have a, a pre-race routine or just something you do to get into kind of race mode? Um, well,
3: I'm not superstitious, <laughs> so I'm like really like, so I don't really have like a certain routine that I do, um, but I like to get ready like soon. Like we had practice, I think it was at, like at two o'clock and I was ready by 1, 1.30ish, like
0: in my suit and ready to get in the car and that just helps me get focused. So you've done a lot of merchandising specific to each racetrack. Is that a marketing and sort of branding yourself and trying to figure out how to make things work? Um, We started that last year with
3: the ARCA series and it was like about halfway in or maybe even sooner. um, We were going to Nashville and I was like, Mom, I really want a Nashville shirt with like me and cowboy boots and my race suit and just says Nashville on it. And then it kind of stuck and everyone wanted a shirt for every track we went to. Um, we weren't going to do it this year, but then we were going to so many new tracks, and it was with a new team and a, and a new series, so we had to do it. All my fans really love it, and that's mostly just for my fans. We only, you know, sell for a couple days, so only a certain amount can get sold, and then we try to give them out to everyone so they can come to the track that they're coming to with the same shirt on. Hey,
1: so as you've um, kind of built up your racing career and moved up the ranks, what do you think has been your biggest hurdle?
3: The biggest thing is like remembering why you still want to race.
1: Because <laughs> when
3: bad things happen, or like you're not having like maybe even if it's a good like the whole year is bad, it's just to remember like why you're doing it, and like to help keep reminding yourself like why you love it and why you're here and why you want to make it all the way up to
0: the top. So I actually talked to Kate Mincy at Fox Sports and she said one of the biggest things is always just like finding people that support you. So who have been your biggest supporters?
3: My family has definitely been my biggest supporters. Um, My sponsor that came on board a couple years ago, n 29 Technologies, they um, him and his wife, they come to every single one of my races, and they became family and support me a lot. I have a boyfriend also, which he, I'm pretty sure he would quit his job if he couldn't come to a race. <laughs> he really, he's a really big supporter, and I met him racing, so um, i love to have him here, and he helps me more than, you know, just keeping my head in the game. He can help me with what I need
1: to do on track as well. a... Female
3: driver, do you feel like you have anything extra to prove? Um, maybe not extra to prove, but to get respect is sometimes takes a little bit longer for people to take you serious, and I think that goes for any profession, is it's really hard for females to get taken serious um, soon and fast, like as in if a guy was coming in to take that job. So I feel like that's the biggest thing. Are there any
1: other female drivers you've leaned on for support?
3: Um, I've leaned on the Patricks. Um, Not so much Danica, but her dad. Um, I'm really good friends with um, TJ Patrick him him and my dad raced snowmobiles back in the day. I was just calling him yesterday. He called my dad and we had a good conversation and I really lean on him because he raised a daughter that made it all the way up to Cove. And then lastly, what is your biggest goal for the season racing? Um, My biggest goal is to learn as much as I can learn that will help me in future and um, just to have good runs, finish races, and top tens.
1: You know, she might not look the part of a truck racer um, if you know Natalie Decker, but um, I think that she definitely um, loves what she's doing and I think that she has the perseverance to keep going and going and I'm wishing her the best really. I'm I'm a fan now.
0: She definitely knows what it takes to be a NASCAR Mm -hmm. driver in general.
1: Yeah, but um, the big thing we have today, we got the Cup race today. Uh, Fields of Honor, QT500.
0: Before we get started um, around the track and in the media center, we caught up with Doug Turnbull. Some of you locals may actually recognize the voice on, from WSB TV's Traffic Copter. Race fans will know him as one of the many voices from PRN. We talked about growing up in Georgia and the spectacle of NASCAR and what makes Atlanta Motor Speedway so special. And we'll play the interview for you right now.
1: Hello, I'm here with Doug Turnbull down at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, how you doing today? I'm great.
4: It's race morning. <laughs> hey, do you realize that it is 10 months and one day from Christmas today? That's, that's a random thing to think about. I mean, it's not the 25th. It's, it's 10 months from Christmas <laughs> Eve. So, uh, but, but to me, race day at Atlanta Motor Speedway, I mean, the Daytona 500 is is Christmas day for <laughs> race fans, but in Atlanta especially for me, because I've been coming down here since 2004 as a media member, that this is what it all builds up to, and so it really feels like everybody has that pep in their steps, so it feels like an awesome day, and as y'all, y'all been there all the weekend, the sun's out, my yeah. gosh, it's great. Yeah,
1: it's nice to see, I woke up this morning, and I was like, what's that in the sky, it's <laughs> <laughs> it
4: weird. Um, Santa and his sleigh, you know, making yeah. <laughs> their, they're doing some preseason testing.
1: Yeah, so. <laughs> um, so I heard you grew up in Georgia. And um, there's a lot of sports history in that city with Hank Aaron and the Braves, Dominique Wilkins, and um, the Hawks, Michael Vick, and the Falcons. How do you get into NASCAR around all that? Uh, well,
4: uh, the city of Georgia. No. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm just messing with so, <laughs> yeah. no, <laughs> that No, no, I'm just, I couldn't help. I can not let that slide. I'm, no more of that today. Okay? <laughs> yeah. um, so, yeah, I grew up in Atlanta. So, yeah, absolutely. And like, not even far away from Atlanta. I grew up in DeKalb County. So, being very close and getting to see in person Chipper Jones and John Smoltz and Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin and, and Michael Vick and uh, I don't know if I ever saw Dominique Wilkins in person, but getting to see the, the even recent time talks like Josh Smith or, or, or Paul Millsap or whoever. Yeah, I, the way I got a NASCAR is I love the Braves and I love that kind of stuff. And we watched all sports, but in 2001, my dad turned on the Daytona 500 and Y'all, what, what, what year is this, 2019? Yeah, so y'all weren't like you born yet, which that really makes me feel <laughs> awful. So, okay, thank you. But uh, the but, but Daytona 500, if, if you don't know, in 2001, Dale Earnhardt died at the end of it. And my dad was, a, he wasn't a diehard NASCAR fan, but he was a Dale Earnhardt fan. And 2001 was the first year that NASCAR was really put on the broadcast networks regularly. And it was, a lot of the races were on Fox. So before it was like ESPN and TNN, and they would be on a different channel every week. But in 2001, they signed a new TV deal that was NASCAR-centric, and, it, and the sport got a ton of money from that. And, and then in the first race of that deal, they're really packaging it up, and you could go look at the documentaries. Of the documentary Dale, all about Dale Earnhardt dying, there's a big part in that where they talk about the TV package, what that meant to the sport, and how the producer of it, uh, David Hill, I believe is his name their whole goal was educating all these new people that knew nothing about NASCAR. So here I'm sitting down with my, my late father now watching the Daytona 500. I'm already glued and then we go to church at night and then find out that Dale Earnhardt had passed away in that crash on the last lap. And the whole race itself, Michael Waltrip wins, first time the 462 career starts. Dale Earnhardt Jr. finishes second. Those cars are both owned by Dale Earnhardt and then Dale Earnhardt is blocking in the third position when he crashes on the last lap. I know that's more than you want to know about why I got into NASCAR, <laughs> but that story was the first story that I ever got to see, really, in the sport. I knew about Jeff Gordon in the 90s and stuff as a kid, I didn't, I just knew his name, but that's what got me into it. And then three years later, I met a gentleman named Captain Herb Emery, who's the lead traffic reporter at the station that I do traffic for now, WSB Radio, he's 95.5 a.m. Mm-hmm. 750. and. I started volunteering on his NASCAR show, and he made me an intern in the traffic center, so I did traffic intern and NASCAR show intern, and that fall of the year I met him, which I was about the same age as y'all, I had just graduated high school, 18 years old, he he puts gives me a credential and brings me down to Atlanta Motor Speedway. So I was already a fan, had already been to a race or two, two races I think, and my, I think the third race I ever got to go to, I came as a media member when I was mm-hmm. 18 years old in 2004. And how do you not stay a fan after that? So. <laughs> so I've been in the media ever since, but as a as a person separate from that, I'm a fan. There's like a th- five-minute answer. Sorry. <laughs> so.
0: What really draws you to Atlanta Motor Speedway specifically?
4: It, it's my home track. I, I, that's the number one thing. All, most memories I have in racing are here. I've started making regular trips to Daytona and to Talladega and now through Performance Racing Network, I've gotten to go a few times to Kentucky and Charlotte and things like that, but Atlanta's, to me, just like if you talk to Garrett Smithley, who's making his first Cup Series start today, uh, first Cup Series start at Atlanta today, or talk to David Reagan, who's been in the series now for his 13th season, coming to your home track is big. And so to me, I, I, I answer it almost like a racer. It's my home track, but also it's really pure racing because as you've been getting audio and stuff all weekend and talking to drivers, tire wear and fall off during a fuel run is huge and it may not make for side by side racing all the time but it makes drivers have to strategize instead of just driving around to the bottom of the track.
1: So um, you've talked about it's race morning. We got a big race today. Got a prediction?
4: Got a prediction? I don't know. I, I, I feel like if you were going to make a prop bet on the organization that would win the race, and I know you're not old enough to bet, and I didn't bet for a long time, even after I turned 18, okay? But but if you were going to make a prop bet, I would say that there is like an 80% chance or a maybe 70% chance that a Stuart Haas racing yeah. Ford doesn't jet. But practice and qualifying don't mean squat. Cliff Boyer and Eric Almarolo have been fast, fast in practice. Almore is on the pole. But I want to tell you something. Kevin Harvick, their teammate, Dominated last year, dominated the Xfinity race last year, and this race is all about. It seems like it's going to be much more about running on the bottom line. Uh, and I mean, but for those that are listening, I'm, that was not a financial statement. That was the, <laughs> that was like hooking the yellow line on the bottom lane of the track because the shortest way around is the fastest, and with these cars having this new rules package. The Harvick line seems to be the way to go when you want to make the most speed. And Harvick had one of the fastest 10 lap averages in the final practice. Mm-hmm. So another one too to watch that may not seem likely is Kyle Busch. He's, he's driving a backup car, but he was darn fast before too. And I, I even have him on a fantasy lineup just because I feel like it's gonna be a Kyle show
1: possibly as well. I just now learned that there's fantasy NASCAR.
4: Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. really easy. <laughs> on NASCAR.com, you just pick uh, five starters and then one driver you put in the garage, and then you pick who wins the stages in the race and the manufacturer and the pole winner. It's you pick. It's like ten picks a week or something, right? It's
1: not honestly hard. sounds easier than a lot of other fantasy sports. I don't even do them. Like
4: baseball, I, I love baseball. I can't remember to do that every day and follow yeah, thirty uh, teams. Yeah, no, it's yeah. one sport, one day, ten picks. Yeah.
0: Are there yeah. like fantasy NASCAR teams? Like yeah, it's like just. Football?
4: Oh, I'm sorry. Like there are
0: with football, like you'd compete against like specific people, or they're just against everyone.
4: They're, they're leagues, yeah. You, so you could compete overall on NASCAR.com, and then you then you could create your own league. And so I'm actually in. I just joined it last night, uh, the PRN <laughs> Fast Talk League. And so Fast Talk is one of the shows that Doug Rice hosts on Monday nights on PRN, and they have a podcast form of it. And they are they're encouraging us as the PRN employees to. Uh, to do that, so I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. So, so my team is called. I uh, hope this is appropriate. Stormy Daniel Hemrick,
1: um,
4: <laughs> and and then and then I'm also in a league with my boss and his family for, for, through WSB, and my team there is you're my pal if you call me Al Marola.
1: <laughs> so there you go. So you you talked about <laughs> Kyle Busch being fast. Um, Hopefully that was the right bush. But, um, yeah, it was.
4: I'm, I think Kurt's fast, too, but I said Kyle.
1: I've been getting them mixed up all weekend. It's just been one of those. Hey, if you
4: get a chance to talk to one of them, be sure and say that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're um, the wrong name. Oh, yeah, they'll love that. But Kyle got his <laughs> 52nd. Um, <laughs> truck win yesterday, now, most all time. What do you know, or how do you feel about that?
4: Well, so it's conflicted. Uh, and I don't know if you got the sense of that. Because y'all, yeah. are, y'all are outsiders coming to cover <clears throat> another story, right? I mean, yeah.
1: So this you've is covered, my first NASCAR, like, ever seeing NASCAR.
4: And you've covered other things where you just get dropped in. As, mm-hmm. Okay, so th- I actually love that y'all are doing this because in the media center, I don't know if you get the sense or not, but most of us, even me, who I only go to a couple races a year, but I watch all of them, it's like, oh, yeah, we, we have all the things that we know, there's just this understood feeling. Whenever Kyle Busch is dominating an Xfinity or Truck Series race, there's this sort of, oh, because you want to see new people do new things, but then at the same time, we love to see records broken, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, and it was y'all were kids when it happened. Like Barry Bonds breaking the home run record in a season was a big deal, or Barry Bonds breaking the all time home run record and all well, these on steroids. But it was a big <laughs> deal to see people break records. So to see Kyle Busch break Ron Hornaday, and Hornaday is a what, like five time or four time champion of the Truck Series. To see to, 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 Kyle Busch is a part time racer wins fifty two races. That's big, but he's also doing it in the best equipment. <clears throat> yeah. So. The best driver, the best equipment generally wins, unless mm-hmm. something happens crazy. So, so Kyle Busch, I don't know if you saw this, he's done it in, I think it's 146 starts in the series. Yeah. Something I mean, that's almost it. a 50% winning percentage, like 40%. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Hornaday won 51 races in like 400 and something starts, which is also still pretty insane. <laughs> Kyle did it 146, I think it was. So it, it's conflicted. But he will go down as one of the greatest drivers in all of NASCAR history, no doubt.
0: So, media seems to have a tunnel vision put on them as soon as they walk in the media center. Do you see that whenever you're looking around the media center?
4: Now, when you say tunnel vision, do you mean about their jobs or about what they're covering or what?
0: What they're covering.
4: I think so. Tell me why I, I... I want to know why you say that, because I, I'm not saying I disagree. I just want to kind of unpack your reasoning so I can answer better.
0: So it seems like as soon as they walk in, they know exactly what they want to write, how they want to write it, and they ask questions framed to make their story opposed to finding a story and trying to figure out what other information they can find about it.
4: I think that's true in a lot of the media and a lot of places, not just here, frankly.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, I mean, I think, and I'm not trying to get into a whole political thing, but I think it's, it's true about whoever is the president, for instance, and it's not just now, but even even before. It's like, it's understood this person is this way, and so I start with a conclusion and I work backwards. Is that kind of yeah. what you're saying? I don't know if that's totally the case here. I certainly think that it's easy to, and I find myself doing it, to repackage storylines. And the, so what, what would you all say is the number one storyline that you've heard us Tunnel Vision people cover this weekend?
0: Um. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't pick like a number
4: one. Well what do you what are some examples you think? As being an outsider, you know, I mean what, what are some examples?
1: Uh of stories everyone else's. Yeah, thing. like
4: did you see people they know what they're gonna write and then they write it based on that, I guess. Is that I, don't know.
1: Right? I feel like the weather's been a big theme this weekend.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Every time we come to Atlanta, if there's a cloud in the sky because Atlanta's been rained out so many times, it delayed, then yes. So they're more sensitive to that here than at Phoenix.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. <laughs> so that's true. And especially the people that aren't from Atlanta that come here and they're just like, oh, this is Atlanta being Atlanta. You know, but, yeah. but I mean, I, I answer that question. How many times this weekend is oh, Atlanta? So that, that's one. Uh, the, to me, one is the rules package. Oh, yeah. And, uh, number one, that's the one I've been stuck on. But see, I'm also having to tell a story on WSB radio locally to people that know nothing about NASCAR. So yeah. I'm not going to get to go deep and talk, you know, about like the president of college racing, Chris Rice's daughter, winning a high school basketball tournament yesterday. And <laughs> like, that's not going to make a 30 second rap on WSB radio. It's going to be so and so won the poll. They're worried about the rules package. Kyle Bush crashed his car. He's going to go back up. That's it. You know, rules package, hard. Rules package, less horsepower. And you say it over and over because repetition, especially in radio, where you can't capture it. It's just you hear it and then it's gone. It's not like an article. So so that's the thing. And then also, and even in the PRM broadcast, we're speaking to NASCAR fans. We're covering a macro story. And so it's sometimes hard to drill down deeper. You kind of have to figure out what are the, the top storylines. Well, qualifying might be crazy because of the new rules package. The rules package. What's the race going to look like Sunday? Uh, you know, Kyle Busch is dr- driving a backup car, and Brad Keselowski has the flu. <laughs> oh, oh, and and we're coming off of the Daytona 500. These people had a good run. Is that going to happen again? And when I'm talking mainly like a Michael McDowell or a Ryan Priest or someone who's not one of the top drivers. So, I mean, there's just five I rattled off that probably are pretty common themes. No matter what, but there's, I mean, there's probably over 100 drivers that have raced this weekend or so. Like, there are all sorts of stories out there, and there's only so much time to cover some. And even though there's so much media, they all generally cover the same ones, because how many clicks are you going to get talking about Chad Fincham starting on the front row of the Xfinity race or Brandon Brown having to start 11th because they started on owner's points? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, that's your story. Brandon Brown has career best start because qualifying was rained down. He was down on owner's points. He didn't really <laughs> qualify there. You know, it's a, he probably has some great quotes. I talked to a driver, this is probably too long to answer you all, but I talked to a driver named Reed Wilson, who is not even making start at the start of this weekend, and he did not make a start in the truck series. He's going to run later this year. Reed Wilson is this, like, wacky rookie. I mean, he's really a bombastic and uh, very personable guy and just, as, you know, totally different than the normal... Uh, so Reed Wilson is this just bombastic dude, and I got to interview him for the first time. Had all this cool stuff to say He's a, he produces hip-hop for a guy that used to drive a super late model. He used to be a race car driver. A kid, I think his was Joey the Kid. or something. But, I mean, I don't even have time to write a story about that, and it's certainly not going to be a WSB, so it's hard for the deeper stories to rise to the surface, and hopefully today during the race we'll have some time to flesh those out. But tunnel vision is a big thing. Part-time driver, part-time hip-hop producer. Yeah, I think super part-time that's hip-hop producer. That's
1: I, uh, a <laughs> weird mix.
4: And it is, but that's what I'm saying is there's all sorts of complicated people. They're not all just cookie-cutter guys mm-hmm. and girls that that uh, cargo fast me-like sponsor. It's it's <laughs> it is, I mean, you know, <laughs> me want me want win. It, it is. There there are people that have a lot of character, but it's tough to get past stage one. And I don't mean to make a racing reference, but it's tough to get deeper because all the time you're having to reset because of our attention spans. you know (laughs) it's just a society and that's that's why the media the regular mainstream media I think covers the same stories over and over and over again because they get traction and it's like okay we got to keep people interested let's talk about this top story or that national emergency or what there are other stories but it's hard to get past the big ones. Right? do do you
1: have anything else?
4: I don't think so. No. Well, I got a question for y'all. What do you what do you think about the access to the media, like the access this, the media has in this sport compared to other things you cover? It's
1: it's crazy um, to me. Just because like um, we went and covered the Hawks uh, in the NBA, and it was we were very restricted. Um, like had specific places we had to be. Um, like our photographers had to sit up in the stands with us, like not at the best angle. We weren't allowed to talk to players.
4: Um, Is that because you're high schoolers or because you're media?
1: Well, I think it's just like, especially for us, I think it's just whenever we're high schools coming down here, some people don't take us as seriously. Sure. Um, But, yeah, like, we weren't allowed to talk to players or anything, and I got, like, one question with the head coach after the game. And um, I just felt, like, kind of restricted compared to, like, WNBA. They were like, we'll have three players in the press conference for you. Um, Our photographers were down on the court. We could go in the locker rooms if we wanted to. Yeah. And they were just more open to it, but in the NBA just kind of had a lot of restrictions on us. But then here, we're treated like we're media, you know, from a newspaper or from high school, like people don't really care where we're from. They treat us as media. And,
4: and it's kind of the same with fan access, too. I, I've never been to an Atlanta Dream game before, but they're just desperate to get any kind of coverage. You know, it's, they're not the main show. And so I think the fans probably have a similar experience to the media. The, the players are way more attainable. And the NBA, I mean... Yeah, you're, you're, and NASCAR is the big leagues also, but they all play in the same place at one time, and it's. And I think the difference is it's so sponsor driven, mm-hmm. especially if you want to get a driver that is looking for exposure, you can, you can do that, and if you don't overstep your balance here, there, there's some people even in the regular media I think that ask too many questions. I used to be that one of those people. Okay, you know, they just they extend the press conference and they they kind of lack that self awareness. But if you realize, like, okay. We're not one of the big dogs. We're going to come here and cover our story and ask... I think it was you yesterday. Was it you yesterday that asked Christopher Bell? Yeah, like That's great. Act like you're supposed to be here. I got a pep talk after my broadcast yesterday because I only fill in on Performance Racing Network. I don't do it every race. Act like you're supposed to be here, man. Come Mm -hmm. on. So that's good that they give you this opportunity. NASCAR drivers are more accessible than NBA players or baseball players or anybody.
1: Yeah, it's been... It's been really fun, and it's just, I mean, it's easy to talk to people, aside from when like Denny Hamlin's um, PR girl just shoved me out of the way when I was trying to ask him a question, but it's fine, not bad, But Right,
4: and, and I will say, they that there's an understanding amongst the regular media about when it's appropriate to do that and when it's not. But, not shove, but I mean to appropriate to ask a question. <laughs> I mean, it is, and they the PR people are the no people. They, they say yeah. no, so the drivers don't have to, all right, and sometimes because they're so accessible they're, these stars are just walking out amongst us in the dry in the garage and pit road and everything there have to be limits and boundaries so i don't know i don't think i think honestly that if i had done try if i had tried to ask him a question and i didn't have my prn shirt on and i had a even my local radio station wsb radio they probably wouldn't have loved it if i didn't ask the pr person first mm-hmm. it was so what we do is when we have the mics of PRN, like we'll kind of put like lift the mic up a little bit like that's sort of like a, a tip of the cap, like, "Hey, can I ask a question?" Yeah. It's sort of like that, and usually they just nod, and it's sort of like an understanding. But again, it's a PRN deal. If I'm coming up there with a little tiny reporter and I'm dressed, they don't know who you are. They're like, "Why would I make Denny stop his day thirty seconds mm-hmm. to talk to anybody?" Yeah. Unless I know who they. That's well, what even it
1: is. like yesterday um, after the cup practice, and you know, they're just out in the garage signing autographs and everything, and I could just go up to guys and get a little twenty second. You know, interviews just get a little nervous thing. They say, but, like, at the NBA game, if we saw a player walking by, we had to go find someone and be like, are we allowed to ask them a question real quick? And then they go talk to someone and talk to someone. No, and then yeah, it comes yeah. back and to us, and they're like, no. But it's like, here, you just go up, ask a question real quick, yeah. and then, like, it's just easier.
4: It, it's, It just it really depends. I, I still struggle with finding that balance sometimes. I do know that if it's during happy hour practice, and that's what the final practice is called, by the way. You know, some lie No, they don't drink. For those listening, no, they do not drink. Uh, and they may after happy hour practice, and their car is running slow. No, so if but it, if I made the mistake early in my career of David Reagan, I know personally, I've known him since before really he started driving a NASCAR. And I went up to him after he made a practice run, a guy out of the car, but it was still during practice. And I said, and I just started doing an interview. And his PR lady came up afterwards, and was like. You know they're in the middle of working right now, and David's nice, and he just. But that was their way of saying like, "Come on, go through me, make sure it's okay." So, it you do, there is decorum, but again, it is way more likely to talk to David Reagan than it is John Collins on the Hawks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,
1: but it's it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. I would say NASCAR's made a thing on me. I was making jokes before we came here about, like, it's just cars going in circles, but then when you get this, like, insider access, it's like you get a whole different view of the sport. So
4: I wrote an article. So I, I, my main gig is a traffic reporter, and I've got to go here in a second, but my main gig is a traffic reporter at WSB, and so as part of that, I write a traffic column in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution on Monday. It's called Gridlock Guy. If y'all ever touched a newspaper besides—no, okay, so you're a newspaper <laughs> reporter. I'm just kidding. So— um, so in the gridlock guide this week, instead of writing about traffic, I decided to answer two or three questions that I always get for people that are smart but don't know anything about NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And, and the driving around in circles and going left is one of them. And I would think that you all covering this weekend, I would hope, yeah. no, there's a little more to it than mash the guy and turn left. <laughs> However, one of the criticisms of this rules package is that the cars have so much less horsepower now that they don't have to lift in the corners for like the first 10 laps in a run. And so in qualifying, it was maish the gase and turn left. However, I mean, go do it yourself and see how easy that is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Because the driver that won the pole, Eric Gavarola, was all the way on the bottom of the racetrack, had an exact line he had to take. The The field was so narrow, the, the delta, if you will, the distance, the difference between first and 13th was like nothing
1: yeah. Yeah, out there. So. That's what one of the things I was talking about earlier is like someone can go around in like 31.02 seconds, you're like, well, they're fast, and then someone's like 31.3, and you're like, well, they're a little slow today, and it's like, it's like two milliseconds.
4: Yeah, totally. yeah, by the time you have that thought that is... By the time you've had the thought, that's like a whole second.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like so
4: they're they're going a fraction of one of your thoughts <laughs> <laughs> difference, and you're like, oh, they suck. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: All right. Well, um, we can let you go. Um, Liz, I don't I don't have anything else to ask. Uh, yeah. I think but um, it. thank you for joining us. No, I'm this, happy to. This
4: uh, a great time. I get it, and you're a teacher, Mr. <laughs> Spencer. He's awesome. Uh, I really, if, he and I have a lot of NASCAR talk. We need to catch up on too, but. But I think it's great that you're getting this opportunity, and I hope you make the most of it. And you're doing the right thing now for, I don't know, what what's your audience for this? Like, who hears this normally?
1: Uh, usually, no, honestly, I, I'm i not, I mean, I've had a lot of teachers and parents yeah. come to me about the podcast. More okay. Students. More students talk about my writing in
4: the podcast but a lot of parents and coaches come to me about my podcast well p- parents and coaches then <laughs> and, and, and if any students listen i mean they're doing the right thing down here doing this stuff early and just getting practice i know you probably heard that a hundred times is huge because when you finally get into more formal settings you'll have had much more of a footing my covering racing was all started out being grassroots a lot of it yeah. too so just, just keep doing what you're doing this is great yeah, thank you thank you so much thank you pleasure mine.
1: And um, he's a personality, all right. <laughs> he was
0: a lot of fun to talk to. Yes, Doug is great. 23
1: minutes. Yeah, Doug is great. Um, but as far as everything um, on the track, as far as cups go, well, Fords have been fast all weekend, and like Doug said, um, he's looking for Stuart Haas Ford to probably win this because they've, they've been looking good. Um, the only one who hasn't looked that fast was Kevin Harvick, but he dominated here last year.
0: Well, and he says he doesn't know what's going on, but there's been a little bit of talk around the media center that he knows a little more than he's letting on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, we can give you the top 10 starters. In row one, you got Almarola. He's in Smithfield, Bacon Ford for Stuart Haas Racing. Next to him is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And then number 17, Little Hug Ford for Roush Racing.
0: And then in row two, we have Clint Boyer and Demi Hamlin. And then Boyer has shown speed all weekend and mm-hmm. hamlin has run a ton of laps in practice so it seems he's looking for some long run speed which will help him a lot at atlanta yes, speedway
1: boyer has been very fast but uh, behind him in row three we got daniel suarez and kyle bush um bush will drop to the rear of the field after crashing in turn two during final practice his car was a little little banged up he'll be using the backup <laughs> for this race
0: and then in row four we have kyle larson and kurt bush
1: row five martin Truex and austin Dillon. Pretty good lineup today. Um, good mix of manufacturers in the top 10 to start the race. Um, we have to see how Hendrick Motorsports is going to perform. I think they've been a little slow. They definitely haven't been up there with the Stuart Osses. Mm-hmm. Um Jimmy Johnson has five wins here, though, and um, he'll be 11th just outside the top 10 in our starting lineup today. And then some
0: other mold, other notable starters <laughs> that include the Georgia boys. Chase Elliott starting 22nd, and David Reagan rolling off at 23rd, and Peachtree City's own Garrett Smith, who will start 35th. 35th doesn't sound all that great. But here's what we need to remember. This is his fourth cup start. Mm-hmm. So
1: And hopefully he can get more than a lap or two <clears throat> in on this one, unlike my the <laughs> race he had in to Michigan. To Michigan. But um you know, they said um, they were just going for top thirty, they just want to get mm-hmm. out here with the car in one piece, so um uh, look for him to be moving up some spots. Um looked pretty good yesterday at uh, the Xfinity race. But um all the action man Fox starting at two PM this afternoon and then um you know how it's been all weekend we'll be pumping out stories and um We'll have some great pictures for you from Shelby and Katie. But um, that's kind of the update. We had a lot of audio for you, and um, hopefully, you enjoyed this episode. Got anything else you want to add?
0: Make sure you are paying attention to the pho- the photography because some of those pictures are actually incredible and very, very different from some of the other ones that I've been seeing looking mm-hmm. around. At the, yes,
1: uh, we, we have some great photographers here. Make sure you're checking them out. But um, that's all we have. Thank you guys so much for listening.